The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So the Olympics are well underway. Every two years, once in the summer and then in the second year, the, the winter, the gathering of the best, the greatest, the most impressively gifted and talented athletic individuals descend on one part of the world and compete for another of weeks against the best of the best. It's inspiring. We just have to watch because they do things that I certainly know I could never accomplish. Watching gymnastics, diving, the long distance running, discus, it just, man, I wish I was that talented. I wish I was that skilled. I wish maybe that I had that kind of drive to pursue, but I'm okay where I am. But still, we look at it and we see a collection of different people. No one person excels at every single event, even in something such as the decathlon, where you have to compete in 10 different styles. Certain individuals rise to the top in others. They're not the best at all of them. And so, in part of our discussion for Rhythms for Life, we are gonna take some time to talk about gifts, talents, and personalities. Last week, we looked at our identity, who we are, and now we're going to look a little bit more about what we do, what we bring to the table in our life, and how it sets and establishes our rhythms. This morning, we read from 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm not going to take the time this morning to explain what each individual gift is and how it might be used in the church, for that would make this sermon purely informative. But I believe that when we gather together and we dive into God's word on these Sundays, as we are looking for something more than just information, we are looking for transformation. So this morning, I would welcome you on this journey into this conversation about how God sees the gifts, talents, and personalities in each and every one of us, and how he uses them to transform our lives. So we start in the church in Corinth. And this is a church in crisis, a church that is a hot mess. One could say it was the 2020 of churches. And so Paul writes a very lengthy letter. And in fact, he will follow it up again with another lengthy letter because they've got a lot of things to work out. They have a problem with division. This is a church where they take pride in who perhaps they heard the gospel from first. For at the beginning, Paul says, some of you say, oh, I'm a follower of Paul. Others, I'm a follower of Peter. And the smug ones say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. They waste no time dividing themselves. And by the time we arrive here in chapter 12, we know that not only are they dividing themselves by matters of prestige for who they heard the gospel from, for how well they practice, but also what gifts they have of the Spirit. It seems that throughout all of history, no matter the place, the time, the circumstance, we as people are prone to divide ourselves up, to separate us into groups of us and them, to form camps of those that are like-minded, have similar abilities, similar ways of looking. And so the church in Corinth is no different. 
based on their spiritual giftings, what they felt that the Spirit had equipped them to do, whether speaking in tongues, prophecy, words of wisdom, they began to divide themselves up into different camps and clubs to seek to elevate themselves over the others. My gift is better than yours. Mine is more useful. It is more spiritual. It has more value in the church. Or perhaps those that felt that they were less gifted, they, they would elevate those who had gifts that they aspired for. Oh, you guys speak in tongues. I really would like to be that. You can take front place in the worship. Or no, no, we need to put prophecy at the fore. Everyone was jockeying for position, trying to claim that gold medal of spiritual gifts in the church. And so Paul... He sits down with his pen and his paper, and he writes to let them know that this kind of spiritual Olympics is not the way that the church is supposed to be. And so he starts. Of course, there are all kinds of different gifts, but they are the same spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, everyone is at work in the same God. So there are, of course, many gifts, but it is the same Spirit. And these gifts are free. The Spirit is the one who distributes them, just like the grace that we talk about every single Sunday, the grace that we cannot possibly hope to earn to prove that we are worth it. It is the same for spiritual gifts. You cannot convince God that you deserve one and the other. You cannot convince God that you deserve to have a particular gift. The Spirit gives them freely. There is no need to compete. There is no need to bargain. And what's more is that Paul, in writing this short sentence, this short, this short two, three verses, as he talks about how God is the one who energizes them. God is the one that makes them work. Just as the Spirit gives them out, it is God who sustains them, God who empowers us to use our gifts, whatever they are. So it takes away a bit of that pride that the Corinthians might have, the pride that they might have from being gifted in a particular way. It's not about you. You did nothing to deserve it. You do nothing to earn it, and you do nothing to make it work. It is all God. In a way, perhaps Paul is sort of saying, it's like you're an empty glove. The glove in and of itself, it may be beautiful, it may be attractive and have intrinsic value, but without a hand in it, it does nothing. It just lies there. So we need the Spirit of God to come and put us on, to empower us in those gifts. And Paul continues once again, he reiterates the idea that each one of these is a manifestation of the Spirit. It's all from the same Spirit. None of you can claim, just like they were trying to claim that they had heard the gospel from Paul or Peter or from Jesus Christ himself. He says it is all the same Spirit. No one got it from a better source because we all receive our gifts and talents from the same source. So don't stress about them. Don't stress about what gifts you have. Don't stress about what gifts others have because the Spirit distributes them as He sees fit. Can we trust, Paul says, can we trust that the Spirit knows what He's doing when He gives each of us our gifts? 
Perhaps you may feel that you don't have an attractive gift or a gift that, you know, you can take up to the stage on a Sunday morning, something visible that, you know, impacts the lives of so many people very quickly. Paul says, don't worry about it. The Spirit gives the gifts he's going to give to who he's going to give them, when he will give them, and empower those people as he sees fit. There is no special status to be gained from standing here on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. Wherever you are on this Sunday morning, wherever you are through the week, whatever you are doing, the Spirit is one in the same. Because we see later in this letter that Paul, he addresses the Corinthians church because they were elevating the speaking of tongues above all others. That was the gift that they were dialed into. And Paul says, it's not the most important gift. They're all important, and you need to leave time and space for everyone's gift to have its day. But of course, we have the tendency to do the opposite. You know, we might look at this and and read Paul's letter, and we might instantly think of our, our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. We might look at them and say, oh man, you guys, you know, some of your churches, you elevate tongues above all others. You elevate those supernatural spiritual gifts, and that's just not what it's about. But on the other side of the coin, our more charismatic church family, they may look at us and say, you guys are a little stiff, elevating preaching and teaching every Sunday morning. No one wants to listen to a 20, 30-minute sermon. Let's get excited. And so, of course, no matter who we are, we have a tendency to put one gift above the others. And we might have the tendency to feel more comfortable with the natural gifts the preaching, the teaching, administration, than the more supernatural gifts. And that may just be part of our church culture. And it's something, it's a critique to us to think how can we incorporate all of the gifts more fully, just as Paul critiqued the Corinthians to incorporate them more fully and not elevate one above the other. And so Paul tries to continue. Unity, unity, unity. He must be tired of beating this drum for the Corinthian church. But he changes his tactics. Now, instead of talking about different gifts from the same spirit, he talks about the body. Many parts, but one body. There is diversity in this unity. Unity does not mean that we all have to be the exact same in order to agree. In fact, diversity is our strength. Paul talks about... We are all baptized by one spirit. Right again, he's back on the spirit train. He talks about being baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And any time we see this come up, when Paul talks about Jews and Gentiles, slave or free, and he misses that that other distinction that he makes in Galatians of man or woman, Paul is taking a shot at the way that Roman society was structured. Because whether Jew or Gentile, you're different parts of the same body. He says it doesn't matter your ethnic background. It doesn't matter your country or place of origin, your language, your customs, your culture. That diversity is good. Do not let it divide you. Embrace your differences. Because, of course, in the Roman society, it was great to be Roman. It was okay to be Greek. And it was terrible to be everyone else. Paul says, not so in the church. For all have equal share in the same spirit regardless of their ethnic background. And neither slave nor free. The Roman Empire was vastly unequal in its socioeconomic status. 
You were either a slave or free. There was, there was really no in-between. You either had wealth or you had none. And Paul says, it does not matter what you bring to the table in terms of wealth or land. It does not even matter if you can bring your own freedom or if you are bound in servitude. The Spirit will fill you just the same. The slave has just as much to give as the master. The poor, the rich, have the same ability and capacity to receive the Spirit and bless the church. We create those divisions ourselves. The Spirit tears them down. And it's here that I want to make a bit of a distinction between gifts and office. Because Paul, of course, he lists many, many gifts that we could have, and we might have the, the tendency with our current structure of the church to think that if I have a pastoral gifting, then I must seek ordained ministry as a pastor. Or if I have the gifts of evangelism, of sharing the gospel, that I have to be a church planter or overseas missionary. And I want to just take a step back away from that and say that you can be pastoral without being a pastor. You can be an evangelist without going overseas. You can be an administrator without taking up employ as a church secretary or, or administrator. The gifts are separate from the offices of the church. You can have a heart for justice and mercy without being a deacon. You can be a prayer warrior without joining a prayer team. Our gifts do not have to be so closely confined. Our gifts are for the common good, however God has equipped us and placed us to use. It pushes that personal experience of God out into communal action. When we first hear the message of Jesus Christ, it begins with that internal transformation. The Spirit comes, convicts us of our sins, we repent, we turn, we go to God. But Paul says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. As we begin to be transformed, as the Spirit fills us and gives us different gifts to bless the body, it is precisely for that, is for each and every one of us to use for the glory of the kingdom into community. In his book, Rhythms for Life, Alistair Stern, he writes that when we use our gifts, we are bringing the kingdom here and now. It is breaking through the moments where God's kingdom touches down on earth. And it's when we bring it out into the open for all to see and all to benefit, whatever our gifts may be, that then others can recognize the kingdom. It is truly arriving, and that is an exciting thing. And just as our gifts are unique, so too are the way that we practice them. For our personalities shape how we apply our gifts and talents. They make each expression of the gifts unique. For I would say that both Pastor Hayden and I, God has equipped us for preaching. But because we are different, we have different personalities, different talents, the sermon on a Sunday morning comes out differently. And just as your church is blessed with many musicians, so too does each of their musical expressions come out. It's all the same notes that they play, it's the same words, but it sounds so different depending on who is working the music and the instruments. And so it makes it impossible to compare our gifts to another because we have different gifts, different talents, different personalities, and it makes that expression unique. 
So if you look at someone that seems to have the same giftings as you, there's no sense in comparing because you have been equipped to uniquely express that gift by God. And what's more is that our gifts, they're seasonal. They are changing. I spent a few years with the organization Youth with a Mission. And in my time with, with YWAM, the Spirit equipped me with the spiritual gift of the words of knowledge. To be able to pray into someone's life and to share with them exactly what the Spirit wanted them to hear in ways that I could never have possibly known. Insights that I could have never have had on my own. Praying with complete strangers. And for a time in that season, that was what was needed, that was what was necessary. But now here, back in Hamilton, the Spirit has determined that I don't need that gift anymore. It is not perhaps as beneficial, or it's time for me to grow in something else and to apply differently. And that was hard at first to accept because I felt so Spirit-filled in those moments, and yes, this is my spiritual gift for all time. But then the Spirit said, that was a good time. Let's do something different. And there was a bit of a period of mourning because I felt that I had lost the gift, that somehow I had done something to, to deserve having it taken away. But now I realize that the Spirit in His good graces determined it was time for something new. And now I'm excited again. So as gifts come and go, Cut yourself a little slack. Take a breath. Because it is the spirit that empowers. So if, if a gift that has been working for you for so long, if a talent, if some part of your personality feels like it's being taken away, perhaps it's time to listen again to the spirit to see what's new, what's coming. And so how might we do that? How do we determine our spiritual giftings? How do we see ways in which our talents can benefit the kingdom of God? There are three ways. The first is an internal confirmation. Look for the Spirit to convict you of something. Look for the Spirit to uncover in your heart how He has gifted you. Some of you may readily be able to put together a list, and Alistair Stern has quite a long list. He talks of administration, apostleship, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, exhortation, faith, giving, healing, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, mission work, pastoring, prophecy, serving, teaching, tongues, tongues interpretation, and wisdom. There's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of different ways that God can inspire you and empower you to serve. So start with what's on the inside. Another way is through external confirmation, that others may recognize your gifts. And if you are someone that recognizes the growing of a gifting in someone, whether it's pastoring, serving, the gift of healing, encouragement, point it out to them. If you see that the Spirit is developing and equipping that in their lives, take a moment to stop by and say, I believe that the Spirit is growing in you this gift, this talent and encourage them in that. Because sometimes we struggle with that internal confirmation, that internal knowledge. And so the Spirit is gracious that if we're not quite getting it ourselves, to give the words to someone else to share it to us. And the third way is through practice. Through taking what we think we know is our gift and bringing it to the body of Christ, bringing it to the community. And it's there that we can test it out try out the waters, 
to see if we can find that internal or external confirmation. And if you're worried that, well, what if I'm just wrong? What if, what if I don't have that gifting and I mess it up? Well, Paul is kind, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, and I will show you the most excellent way. He'll show you the way to exercise your gifts. And he, and he talks about love. And he says that so long as you do it with love, it will be good. Because it means nothing to exercise your gifts if you do not do so with the love of Christ in your hearts. And so if you feel that you are growing in a gifting and you're not quite sure, you're a little scared, apprehensive, just ask yourself, am I going to try this with the love of Christ, love for myself, love for my brothers and sisters in all of creation? And then just go for it. Because I think as a community, we can be gracious if someone wants to be the bold and step out and test out their spiritual giftings. So be open to trying. Be open to others trying and embrace them with that love. Paul closes this section of 1 Corinthians 12. I'm just going to read from verse 27 so you can follow along to the end of the chapter. And he says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. When Paul writes these questions, starting in verse 29 and into verse 30, he asks them rhetorically. He says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles, gifts of healing, tongues, interpret? No. We do not have all gifts. We do not all possess all the giftings at all times. But, he says... That's no reason to get comfortable with where you think you are and what you have. There's no reason to settle. Because we, as Christians, we don't have to settle for anything when it comes to our faith and our spirituality. When it comes to gifts and talents and personality, who we are, the things we do, don't settle. Ask the Spirit for everything. Don't hold back. Pray each and every day. Just hit me with the gifts. Fill me up, Holy Spirit, with everything possible to bring those moments of the kingdom here. Equip me for every possible outcome of ministry of life. I'm ready for it. Desire those gifts. Don't be complacent. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Push onwards and further. And of course, our experience may not quite match that, but that's okay. It doesn't stop us from asking. It doesn't stop us from eagerly expecting and desiring. And this is truthfully something I struggle with, to ask for all the gifts. Because it can be a little intimidating. It can feel a little overwhelming. But I have to remind myself that it's not about my capacity. It's not about my ability. It's not about even my deserving it. But simply asking the Spirit to equip me, 
to encourage and empower me to take these gifts, to take these talents, to take the very core of who I am and to allow him to work in me for the good of you, my brothers and sisters, for the good of our community, for the good of our world. So let's be bold this week. Let's take a chance. Ask for that gift that you had never thought of asking before and ask God to show you the ways that he's already equipped you that you may not have quite realized. Let us pray. God Almighty, Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we come before you and we confess that sometimes we let the matter of gifts and talents divide us, that we turn your church into a spiritual Olympics where we're seeking to crown our gold medal winning members for their gifts. God Almighty, flatten that podium. Flatten our expectations of what spirituality looks like and remove our obstacles of fear. Help us to embrace the full workings of your spirit in our life and encourage us to know that it is not by our will but by yours that it is done. God Almighty, as we go into this week, encourage us and equip us in your ways. Show us our gifts. Help us see others' gifts, and may your Spirit encourage us to encourage them. God Almighty, we are thankful that we are all many parts of one body, that all are useful, all are beneficial. And I pray that we can give equal honor and due respect and time to each and every one of our brothers and sisters. Thank you for this gracious gift of your gifts. Amen.